everyone, this is Klaatu, and this is Hacker Public Radio. In this episode, I'd like to discuss a little bit about the idea of education and open source. The impetus for this episode was that I was speaking with a few people about what public schools and private schools, but but the focus of the conversation, I think, was public. No, that's not true. It's actually private. So, yeah, both of those things. What those schools should promote in terms of what they're teaching. And... One of the arguments that came up was that it's a good idea to teach people what realistically they are going to encounter in the the real world, the workforce, and so on. There's a good argument for that. I mean, it's it's almost, I dare say, obvious. I mean, it's, it's almost, you sound crazy if you have an argument against it. It's just kind of, that makes sense, right? You are teaching people things, and the, I guess, the realistics, uh, the, the sort of, most obvious goal of education, you know, if you if you think about it, would be for people to end up getting jobs in the real world, and and that does, that like I say, there's a huge argument for that. That that makes sense. So if you're teaching someone how to use an office application or a graphic editing application or whatever, even a whole operating system, then the obvious choice would be whatever is the most prevalent on the outside world. That's a, a good idea, right? And, and in some ways, it, it does seem like it would be a good idea that you wouldn't want to argue against. Uh, if, if, if that's what education is going to provide for people, then that's, that's a valuable service. Getting people into a, into a secure job so that they can eat and pay rent and things like that is a good goal. The, the problem, I think, with this, this idea is, well, there are a couple of problems, actually, in my mind. And that would be, first of all, it's, it's very defeatist. You're kind of saying education will, will therefore never pave the way. It will, it will always sort of trail behind whatever happens to be the, the going trend. And, and by that logic, you, you could also say it was a very good idea to, to teach and promote, you know, military service to, to people so that they could possibly get into that because there's a valid career path as well. You could kind of go in different directions with that and it and it's it's very much not taking the lead on anything. Which granted, I'm not sure that everyone would see a problem with that. Some I mean that may not be an objectionable thing for for some people. If you're not trying to be an institution that that paves the way, that that sort of forges ahead in new directions and teaches people new things and tries to, I guess, change the world, uh, as, as cliche as that phrase may be, through the people that you're, you're educating, then maybe that's not such a big deal. Maybe you're okay with that. So, th- but that is one, one thing that me personally, I'm not okay with. I, I think that education should be a little bit more progressive. Not everyone does. But that's, that's one thing that I thought about that, that I didn't really, you know, it, it didn't quite sit right with me. Uh, another problem I have with the idea of just teaching people whatever happens to be the going thing is that it's very, very finite. And, and I realize uh, that there are a lot of things out there in the computing world that really seem like they're never going to go away. You know, there are some institutions or some companies uh, that simply you just cannot imagine them ever leaving the landscape of computing. And this may be true, but you can talk to a lot of people who've been in computing for a very long time and ask them if they've got any kind of prior prior instance of, of that phrase, oh, this will always be there, uh, 
having turned out to be incorrect. Actually, it's not always going to be there. Actually, this company is going to be displaced. Actually, this company is, uh, this product is going to be discontinued, uh, or it's just going to fall out of favor. I mean, there are a lot of prior examples where that may happen. I mean, I think probably a lot of people would have said that about IBM, uh, as the, as, you know, the Microsoft vehicle that was something that i mean for for a long time it was sort of mac versus ibm and people would say well do you have a mac or an ibm and ibm was kind of like a xerox or a a a kleenex you know it was it was this term that just meant anything running ms dos and and so you you might have i don't know i don't really know what else was out then like a whatever, an older computer that wasn't an IBM, you know, it was an IBM clone, uh, and and then it became, later, it became a lot more diverse in the market. So that was one example. Um, there was, of course, in the print and publishing world, for a very, very, very long time, there was a program called Quirk Express, and this was a page layout program that people in the publishing industry would have never given up. It was the it was the tool that they needed. Their Quirk Express would never go away, and it still I think it still exists, but nowhere near as prominent and and kind of must have and important and significant as it used to be due to Adobe InDesign having sort of swooped in and, and taken a lot of their market. So uh, there was that. There, more, most recently and very close to my industry, there was, of course, Final Cut Pro, which, well, before that, there was Avid. Avid was the video editing platform. There was no other video editing platform but Avid, and then Final Cut Pro moved in, displaced Avid, and now Final Cut Pro 10 has come in and displaced Final Cut Pro itself. So it's it's a lot of, you know, there are a lot, a lot of stalwarts that we kind of assume and really, really believe, like in our heart of hearts, we believe these things will never go away. It's ridiculous to say that they're ever going to go anywhere, and yet that doesn't happen. That's not the that's not the the trend. That's not the example that we've seen, and we kind of need to, I think, wake up to to that idea that things in computing, um, you know, it may. We say that computers themselves don't last for very long, and I, and I think just because of that reference point we think well software certainly does because this this package this office package or this this graphic package or whatever has been around for so long it's been through generations and generations of computers so it'll never go away it's it's here to stay and it turns out that a lot of times that's just not the case uh there are there are things that fade and things that come in and and that's that and my point is that if we're teaching students one thing one software package, then we're we're essentially we're we're doing two things. We're we're teaching them, assuming in kind of the assumption that when they get out of school, that's the software that they're going to encounter in the real world. So we're assuming that it's going to still be around. Which which again, in my industry especially, that has has absolutely failed a whole generation. You know, a whole set of four-year college students uh, have basically been set up for complete and utter failure, or not complete and utter failure, but like a complete and utter surprise and, and some amount of failure, such that they get out of school, they've taken all these courses on one editing thing, and suddenly they get out and they find that that, that one editing thing that they were told that that is the industry was not the industry, and in fact it's not even in the industry anymore. Uh, well, it is, but I mean, it's 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 on its way out now because it's been discontinued. So, yeah, big, big surprise there, and there was no diversity in education. So that kind of leads me to the point, as, as a as someone who is involved, you know, sometimes a lot, sometimes a little in, in education, 
to think that at least, at the very least, diversity is required in education. So when you're teaching people software, when you're pe- teaching people computer uh, things, diversity is is really really significant because the the fact is that if you're if you're telling if you're if you're painting this picture this worldview for people that everything is one you know it, it's it's run on this platform with this software package and there's no variation there then if they're that student to go get that job where they don't use that platform and they don't use that that whatever software package then they are I guess at a disadvantage. Or, I mean, if you don't want to say it's a disadvantage, then certainly the past, you know, four years or, or however long they've been trained on this thing has has sort of been a waste of time uh, to some degree. I mean, it might not be for their next next job, or it may it might be. Certainly, I don't recall any kind of education, uh, computer education in my own schooling uh, history that really has ever served me well at all. It, it was all basically useless, and the most computer education I've ever gotten was sitting at home messing around with computers. I think there's a lot of wasted time in the really, really poor quality of computer education as it is, simply because it is focusing on this false world view of this is exactly what you're going to find in the real world. You have to learn this stuff. If you don't, you're going to be at a disadvantage. And it turns out that you're learning something that you might not encounter, or you that you might not need, or that has changed drastically by the time you get out in order to use it anyway. Two other arguments, I think, for this open source thing that we should analyze. First, the the obvious and kind of crude, well, we're teaching people things that they really don't have access to. And, and that, I think a lot of Linux and open source enthusiasts are hyper sensitive, uh, I should say potentially hypersensitive to to this issue, in a way. Because, I mean, there's this sort of fear, I think, that we're going to go outside someday and, and see all these young, starving children out on the streets begging for copies of Photoshop, you know, and, and, and MS Office and, and whatever. It's, it's, and a computer, you know, they're just not going to have access to a computer. And, and honestly, in, in my personal experience, I haven't really encountered that too much. I, I tend to find that people end up having access to computers if they need access to computers. They end up obtaining copies of MS Office if they want MS Office or Photoshop if they want Photoshop or whatever. It's it's um, that's just kind of the reality. The people are smart enough now. They they know about the wares sites. They know how to get copies of things that they need. That that happens now. Whether or not we should be encouraging that. In schools is a completely different question. Yes, I mean this is the problem. Uh, in a in a in a capitalist society where we're where we're saying okay this this thing you cannot have unless you pay a certain amount of money and if you do try to get it then you're breaking the law. Then if and and then if we're teaching people these skills that are 100% dependent upon this product that you have to buy, then I really don't see how that is something that we should be teaching people at all. I don't understand how that's a valid thing in in education. I don't know about you, but uh, in my couple of years of high school, I was never, for instance, given driving lessons for free. You had to uh, learn driving from someone that you knew, or you had to pay for driving lessons from a, a uh, driving school in your area. You, there, there were no free driving classes in high school, uh, and I, I'm assuming part of that reason is because they, they don't feel like that's something that everyone necessarily has access to right away, or maybe they just don't feel that that's their, that that's their territory to, 
to teach people, but then why is computing their territory? Because certainly in the real world, you're going to probably need transportation just as much as you're going to need the ability to write a business letter or a resume. So I, I kind of have a, a strong philosophical objection to teaching people things that they will not have access to by default, whereas obviously the the well-known argument is that everyone will have access to Linux because they can put it on any computer that they find in the dumpster for free, and then they will have access to Libre or OpenOffice because it's free, and then they will have access to GIMP and all these other applications uh, that that we're not teaching them, but but it is there. Um, and I, I think I think that the the difference, and unfortunately, it, I, I have not found a, a graceful way to to communicate this to people in in real life because it's usually too much talking. But I mean, the, the difference isn't isn't that one you just don't have access to to a proprietary software versus you have access on open source. It's that you have legal and you you can a promotable you know non liable uh, access to to open source software. In other words, as a school system, if you are promoting proprietary software, you are probably, whether you know it or not, promoting piracy. And I mean, I don't really believe in the concept of piracy, but but I will if 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 it means that people are going to be persecuted for it nonstop, and that's that is what happens, right? Um, I mean, don't even get me started on on piracy and and how absurd it is that Adobe and all these other companies even even put forth a feigned effort to prevent you from getting their software when it's obvious that using their software is great marketing for them uh, and and probably results in huge corporate sales later. But I won't get started on that because it's not worth talking about in this episode. Uh, so that's that's a thing. There, there's, there's this whether or not we're going to promote people to go out and illegally obtain software. And, and if we're teaching the software and if we're saying this is how you get stuff done in the real world, oh, by the way, it costs hundreds of dollars, then we're telling people uh, that they need to go out and get it for zero dollars because that's what they're going to do. And don't tell me that you have any friends with legitimate copies of of half of these software applications because you don't, or at least I don't, and you probably don't either because... Why would you? People don't purchase these things. They're expensive. They're not quite worth the amount of money that they're going to spend on. And there are alternatives out there, whether it's just online or 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 whether it's the free stuff that you and I maybe use anyway. I mean, it's just people don't have paid for copies, uh, paid copies of these software packages. And, and yet, these are the software packages being taught in school. So it doesn't it doesn't add up. It, it, there's a disc there's a disconnect there, a little bit of incongruity there. Why are we teaching? this stuff when the only realistic way that people are going to get them is by stealing it and realistically a lot of them aren't even going to bother because it's just not that it's not worth the trouble so there's that and then the well-known that i think possibly the other most well-known argument that i encounter when speaking about these things within the open source community is that and it's almost it's so well known it's kind of so 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 often repeated that it, I almost started thinking it was a cliche or, or kind of a um, a buzz a buzz phrase is that a is that a, a word buzz phrase instead of buzzword um, and and the idea is that oh if you teach open software you teach the you know the concept and if you teach proprietary software you teach the the the, the that that title that software title let's say if you teach open source you teach software if you teach proprietary, you teach a, a brand, 
I don't know, it's, it's not really working for me, but you've heard it before, right? The idea that somehow magically by teaching open source alternatives, you're teaching people how to use computers, you're teaching people how to use all office applications, or all video editing applications, or all graphic editing applications, and somehow if you're teaching people specifically how to teach MS Office, or Photoshop, or, or Final Cut, or whatever, then you're only teaching them how to use MS Office, or Final Cut, or Photoshop, or whatever. couple of things about this. First of all, that's a it's kind of a ridiculous statement, right? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It, it sounds like, it sounds fake, it sounds like that's why I choose, I mean, that's just what I, how I choose to see the world. Uh, I've made this decision, and so I'm making this declaration. I mean, why would that be, right? I mean, if we teach, if we if we abolished all Microsoft Office education and established LibreOffice education, then then people are learning LibreOffice instead of Microsoft Office, and when they get to Microsoft Office in the real world, they'll be just as confused about how to use it because the places are in different menus and things like the things are in different menus and different places and the buttons and stuff. So it doesn't make any sense until you start really, really thinking about it. And here's what you're thinking about. First of all, by teaching open source, you're very, you would be very rarely necessarily teaching only one application. You would have the, the flexibility to teach different applications. Whether or not that's actually useful, I don't know, because um, I certainly, I, I don't think that, that you can become an expert on something by being taught five different examples of that thing. But then again, are we trying to teach people to become experts at anything, or are we trying to give them a nice sampling of everything that they might encounter in the world, and and frankly, I think that at that at the at the stage of, of most educational institutions, if you, if you're in an educational institution, unless you're in very advanced courses, you're not becoming an expert on anything. You're becoming familiar with with something, possibly with a couple of different things, and I think that is valuable. I I I, I wouldn't say that that was just a drop-in thing that we could just all of a sudden do because lesson plans would have to change dramatically. Uh, and I would really not want to teach a class where in the first week I'm teaching them Abbey Word, and then the second week I'm teaching them Libre, and then in the third week I'm teaching them Microsoft, and then in the fourth week I'm teaching them, I don't know, something else. I mean, that would just be insane. So you would have to look at, at the at the progression of, of, of all these different kinds of lessons. But but would it be useful to, to, to do a course called Word Processing? and have a lot of different options available, not options, but a lot of different solutions available that people would need to become familiar with, so that instead of being taught this is how to do a business resume, which is going to probably change by the time you're out of school anyway, and and the style and kind of the, the, the accepted thing that you put on resumes is going to alter anyway, instead of teaching that sort of thing, teach them th this is what you do when you open up a word processor. This, is, this should be your thought process. Here's how to figure out where to go from starting the application and staring at a blank piece of paper. Here's what you should think about. Here's the workflow. That's a significant difference, and that's not what's being taught right now. Whether or not that relies upon it being open source or not, probably not. You could teach the exact same style uh, of lessons with proprietary software, but then we go back to, well, what are you promoting here? You're promoting stealing the proprietary software, since probably realistically all of the students are not going to have access to that. So uh, I think it's more realistic to teach, yeah, the kinds of applications rather than the specific applications. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't say take out your MS Office class and drop in a LibreOffice uh, class because I don't think that would serve anyone any better. 
then they would just know a different set of menus and they'd still be just as clueless whenever they open up anything else other than the exact same version that they taught that they got taught on in school and that's that's not useful uh, another side of this coin or or maybe maybe to take it even further maybe it's the same side of the coin but we're going further with it is this thing that i have recently come to realize and that has been that me myself i have been called upon multiple times in my life to help people learn software or to help people bug test or not they don't call it bug testing but to to to, to fix problems that they're encountering in in their software a lot of times i mean like very frequently, my entire life, and probably yours too, if you're listening to this, you're probably a geek, you're probably geeky enough to be that computer person in your family and in your circle of friends, where people come to you and ask for help. And it's really bizarre that um, that every time someone has come, to, come for help to me, I, I frequently have to tell them, look, I've never used this software before. Or I've, I've used this software for a total of 10 minutes in my entire life. I am not an expert. I'm not the person you want helping you fix your problem. And, and actually, I'm wrong. I am the person they want me help, they want helping them on their software. And, and it's almost invariably, I can't think of a time, there may have been a time here or there, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. And this is probably very similar for you, but there, I cannot think of a time when someone's come to me for help on software and I've had to actually turn them away because I couldn't fix their problem. And that's really bizarre when you think that, when you realize that on, on a lot of these, in a lot of these situations, it's been software that me, I have personally never used. I have sat down in front of software that I have never used, and I've taught that software to people. Or I've fixed, I, I've helped them fix problems in their in their project on software that I've never used, or that I've only used, you know, for like, literally like 15 minutes or 30 minutes just kind of looking at it for for fun one day and that that's been very consistent i mean sure there have been software applications that i that i know very 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 well and i've been able to help people but but i'm talking about the stuff that i've got no exposure to they just come down and sit in front of me and just demand that i'm going to help them and and there's no amount of but i don't know this software but i don't know this operating system whatever there's no amount of convincing i'm going to be able to do to get them to leave me alone finally i help them and i solve their problem it's very, it's been a little bit surreal sometimes because there's that self doubt you know you sit down and you're like this is going to be a disaster i've never used this thing before i'm going to i am not going to be able to help them at all and then it, by the end of the session you've changed their life and of course you know bizarrely side side bar here bizarrely you know it's it's funny how geeks we geeks we're so smart right we're so we're we're, we're life-changing we're smart we deserve such laud and and praise after we fix their problem and the minute we start saying well you really ought to learn such and such you, you really ought to check out you know this open source alternative you, sh- you should you should check out this thing you should back up your data you know all these other like really practical ideas we have they're nonsense what are we talking about we don't know what we're talking about we're geeks we're we're crazy we we have we have no connection to the real world but then when we help them save their project or save their data or whatever we do we're we're we're, we're paramount to to godliness but but everything else we say is is nonsense open source backup whatever that's all that good advice, that's nothing. But anyway, that was a sidebar. Back to the point. So in, in your life and, and my life, probably, or in my life certainly and probably in your life, there have been times where people have said, okay, help me with this software, you're going to help me fix it. And you do. You don't know how you did it, but you did it. You, you figured it out for them, 
you can't explain it. And I think the reason for that is, is because whatever happened in our lives as youths, we, we trained ourselves on computers. Not on a specific software application, but on the idea and the workflow and sort of the, 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 the mindset, the, the way of, of computing, the art of computing. And that is, of course, what a school really should be teaching. Because more than anything, what people really need to understand is that there are only, you know, there are only so many different ways of doing essentially the same process over and over again. It's not really that much of a mystery. You know, I mean, okay, you've got a, a video project. You need to consolidate, or a multimedia project. You need to consolidate all your media and, and keep all of those links in your multimedia project. Look at the paths. If the paths don't match what you... If you, the paths saved in your in your project file don't match the paths on the actual computer... Then yes, there are going to be there's going to be missing media files, and you need to correct those paths. Now all you need to do is figure out how to correct those paths. Is there a built-in tool for that, or or can you just do a quick set on the on the data file? Probably not if it's proprietary. But I mean, you just need to kind of reverse whatever got screwed up, and and as long as the paths now match, then your project is fixed. That's a real life example from a recent disaster that I that I repaired on a software that I've never used before. But I mean, there are plenty of others, right? There are so many different examples of of things that people just seem to get so bewildered by. How do I do this thing? I don't know. Look for a button with bullet points on it. Maybe that's how you make a bulleted list. How do I do such and such? I don't know. Look around in the menus. Try to find your tab settings and that where in your ruler settings and change that or whatever the case may be there, there are only a couple of answers for for pretty much every problem that exists or, or that arises on you know when you're using software and and if schools were teaching that rather than again specific brand name software package titles then people would know how to use a lot more again this doesn't necessarily require open source to be involved. You could always teach these principles, like how to compute, the art of computing, let's call it. You, you could always teach this to people using anything. You could say, here's an office program, it's proprietary, you can buy it for this hundreds of dollars, and here's how you should approach, you know, when you launch it, now you're looking at a blank screen, now write your content, and then do the styling, and then do this. However you want to teach it, you can do that, and you can, you can, you can tell them. Now, children, there are different Office packages out there, so you might not always encounter Microsoft Office, and then there will be some awareness of that. I think it would be probably better to have a course on word processing, like I said before, and, and show them a lot of different packages so that they actually see, yes, there are different ways of implementing and getting the same results, and yes, there are differences, and yes, you have to think outside the box and really think about it. And, and I think this is why programming courses are so universally admired in, in education. Because in programming, you can sit down and teach people, I mean, if, especially if you're doing it right, I mean, you can teach them programming tricks, but the minute they start to deviate and come up with, with brilliant ideas of their own, 
they have to actually think of how to implement those ideas. You know, I mean, yes, you've taught them what a, a for loop is or a a do while kind of loop, a while loop, I guess. Uh, you can teach them these things. You can teach them variables. You can teach them all these different things. But and, and they can copy exactly what you've done on on your on the projector screen with your computer. But the minute they try something different, the minute they want their little sprite to fall into lava and die. And rather than, um, you know, or, or, or have health points rather than permadeath, I mean, then they suddenly have to think that out. And they have to think outside of the box from what you've taught them and, and invent solutions. And I think that's, that's what computing in general should be taught as. There should be, there, it can't just be here is exactly how to write a resume. It, it's gotta be here is, here are the tools that you can use to create new stuff. So, Let's work together to come up with some project ideas, and you figure out how to get it done. And now, two weeks from now, I'm going to swap the word processor out from under you and give you a different one, and you can think of some new things to do and come up with new ways of accomplishing things. And that's really, really important. So that's where I think computer education, such as it is, in, in some schools, it's not even a thing at all, but, I mean, that's where computer education really, really fails. And, and I, I really think that computer education these days, right now, it's, it, it really smacks of being some administrator's half-hearted effort to just kind of make sure that, you know, it's, it, there's an allowance there. That's like, yes, we understand that people should be aware that computers exist, and, yeah, they should probably be able to write a resume, so let's... Let's let's nudge this solution towards them, and that'll be that. And it's it's not really educating; it's just making the motions of education. And that's a real pity, and it's a huge disservice to people. And it's it's producing people, kids who are coming out of school who don't know anything about computers. And in this day and age, I mean, the cliche when I was starting to uh, teach the one or two classes that I teach, the cliche was, "Oh, watch out for these kids coming into your class. They know everything about computers. They know everything. They'll." they'll They'll, they'll blow you away with their knowledge of computers. And I was shocked, shocked by the, the lack of computer experience and the, the, just the lack of logic that, that students would have. I thought, you guys are college-level kids and you don't know how to do really, really simple computer tasks. You, you, you can't even wrap your mind around why you would need to keep all of your, your files consolidated for, for later, for, for archiving it later. Whatever. So yeah, it's, it's not, it's not serving anyone. It's a huge disservice to the people that, that these things, that these educational institutions are claiming to, to be educating. So how does open source figure into it all? Again, I think that open source technology because it's exposed, because it's open, because it, it, it is really, really open. Like, you can look at code, you can look at mailing lists discussing certain decisions. I mean, everything is out in the open. That encourages exploration. And in computers, exploration is really important. Like I just said about the programming classes, you know, I mean, part of the idea about computers is that there are no, you, that there are just not that many set set ways that you have to do things. There are so many different ways to do things. I mean, there are certain tasks where, yeah, there's only about five different varieties of, of menus or buttons that it could possibly be. But in terms of, like, actually producing something new, there are so many different ways to do things and and people should be encouraged to explore those ways and find find out how computing can work for them rather than ha that, that rather than having it such that every time they sit down in front of a computer it's a fight 
And for a lot of people, that's exactly what it is. It's a fight, and they can't make the computers do what they want, and they can never think outside of the box enough to, to imagine some new way of making it happen. Open source also, of course, is available, and that's important. You can promote proprietary software all you want. You can say that, hey, that's what they're going to encounter in the real world. Hey, it may or may not be. I don't know how the future is going to turn out, but... I don't think it's a, a I don't think it's a valid excuse or a valid reason to say well that's just what's big right now so that's all we should ever teach that that doesn't make any sense and besides that you're teaching stuff that people do not have legal uh, access to which in, in in some kind of extremist kind of lawyer way although I'm not a lawyer and this is not legal advice that probably makes that educational institution sort of and uh, what do they call it? An accomplice, or you know, like an, an enabler. You know that they're they're telling people, "Hey, we taught you this package of software, so you have to go get it. And if you can't afford it right now, there are ways. There are other ways to get it. So that's not a good message to send. I don't think uh, the open source stuff is is freely available. It's legally available. People should be encouraged to seek that out rather than to go steal stuff instead. And yeah, that might not be what they encounter in the real world. I mean, it might be in the future, I don't know. But that might not be what they encounter. But again, if we've educated them such that they are explorers of computers and and know how to use computers like computerists, then yes, they can they can they will be able to learn the the other software. And and with the exception of a few very specialized classes, I have yet to witness someone coming out of school with real, like, solid, ready-for-the-real-world knowledge of even the most specialized software applications. There might be some exceptions there, and certainly there are exceptions when you're talking about specialized software, like where they've actually taken three advanced courses just on this software package. But, I don't know, in my experience so far, I have seen people who, you know, without that real-world experience, all they've got is an intro to that software anyway. It just doesn't matter. It takes it takes real-world, everyday usage of software to really become an expert on, on the way that most industries that I'm aware of actually use that software. I could give examples, but it would be tedious. So, yeah, I don't think that you're, I don't think we're really teaching people the, the proprietary software anyway. I mean, not in a useful way. We're just kind of introducing them to these ideas. And if that's all we're doing, then there's no reason really that we shouldn't swap out the open source alternatives because they're not going to become experts on it. And when they go into the real world and encounter some other software package, it's not going to be scary. It's not going to be a, a, a deal breaker for them. It's going to be something that they can sit down in front of and figure out, just like me and you and other computer geeks. And as much as I'd like to think that I was that much smarter than the average Joe, I really don't think that's the case. And if I can sit down and figure out applications that I've never used before, simply because I know how to use a computer, then so can anyone else, as long as they're taught that way. And that, my friends, is why open source in education is really, really important. This has been Hacker Public Radio. My name is Klaatu. Thank you very much for listening. I will talk to you next time. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. 
All BinRef projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.